You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hey, girl. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm roll tired. How are you? You're also drinking, which is definitely <laughs> not going to help. I know, but I'm planning on we're going to do this, and then I'm going to get in bed. You got a little, you got a little glass of wine. Yeah. Going to talk about Teen Wolf. It is almost Friday. It's almost Friday. Yeah, I actually like really hyped myself up just now by remembering that tomorrow's Friday. Oh, I have to work on Saturday. Tomorrow is not Friday. Tomorrow is a day before I day I have to work. Yes, but then imagine the relief you'll feel tomorrow when you're like, tomorrow's Saturday, and then you're done. You know? I guess. Working on a Saturday sucks. It does. It does suck. Especially when you've been working all week. And have worked just a bunch of overtime, too. This blows. Yeah, kids, don't get a corporate job. Or do. I don't know what your goals are. Uh, it's just, you know, you will be working overtime. You will be. People be working overtime. <laughs> don't let them try to convince you that that's not going to happen. Teenagers have left the group chat. They're like, I am not here to listen to you sad 20-year-olds talking about your corporate jobs. <laughs> uh you know what respect yeah i wouldn't either i also <laughs> wouldn't listen to that um but because it's pertinent to me we're going to talk about it here on the teen wolf Real podcast podcast where we talk about mtv's teen wolf my name is christian i'm julia and um life's been better but also life has been worse <laughs> sometimes as well documented <laughs> um I don't know. I feel like this episode is already going pretty well because I've not thought to myself, we forgot to introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. So we get so deep. Every time. Yeah. And sometimes we'll go through and add it. I always wonder if it's really obvious <laughs> <laughs> when you just drop it in there. Like, hello, in case you forgot. Yeah. There's a, um, a hockey podcast I like called Puck Soup. And they're like, and you're in Puck Soup. And every once in a while, they'll forget to say that. And somebody will just remember it in like the middle of the episode, like the last <laughs> third. <laughs> oh i like that they have a catchphrase maybe we should start introducing ourselves just like randomly oh wait we forgot (laughs) back to scott i I don't know i mean we kind of have a catchphrase which is that we only sometimes talk about teen wolf i guess so So, you know I, i used to really pick things and then i got like lazy with it um i also am sometimes like well you know the people know me i don't have to introduce <laughs> that's bullshit people start at whatever episode they want i imagine that they would be rather confused um yeah to, on some particular episodes i do think it's a good thing that we have very distinct voices mm-hmm. um because when i talk on the phone with my twin sister people think I'm like talking to a recording or like I'm talking to myself that I can't tell the difference between the voices. It has taken me a really long time for me to figure it out. Uh, but you do sound remarkably similar. Well, well, genetically identical. So, you know, I'm, I was about to be like, <laughs> I'm different, but clearly I'm not. I have a clone. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. On to Jane Wolf. <laughs> Today we're talking about season six, episode two, superposition. I had so much fun. It was delightful. The cast was so small. All of our locations were really similar. We were like recalling on really great themes throughout the show. We even recalled on some really early days of Teen Wolf. It was just banging. It was just impeccable in every aspect. I thought that the music choice was excellent. The filmmaking, I 
appreciated. Like it all just worked together so well. Uh huh. Um, and it's funny because I know I have beef with this season because I don't watch anything without <laughs> trying to find problems in it. It's like my mo. Um, but we haven't gotten to those parts yet, <laughs> so I'm just absolutely vibing. Well, it's also just like um, the theory of relativity, where compared to season five. Yeah. Thus far. Oh, yeah. Compared to this five, this fucks. <laughs> uh, literally and figuratively. Um, yeah. I am having oh, a yeah, great time Oh, yeah. There was some so in this far. episode. There was. Actually, now that you said that, I thought about it in my brain and I forgot to write it down. So thank you. For pack sets? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we... Well, wait. Who wrote this episode? Uh, oh, it was written by uh, someone named Mark Kruger who wrote uh, for We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And directed by James J.D. Taylor, who, as far as I can tell, has only worked on Teen Wolf. Did you watch We Always Lived in the Castle? You've um, read the, book, the novella, haven't you? I have read... I've gotten, like, partway through it. It's fucked up. It is um, <laughs> only 190 pages or so, so yeah. I have no excuse not to finish it, but someday. No, I thought it was good. I think... Yeah. Well, I'm, the cast was so good, it was going to be, like... Mm-hmm. Even though it's not incredible, it's like, I'll watch Taisa Firminga and Crispin Glover do whatever. <laughs> I especially Crispin Glover. I do just love him. Sebastian Stan? The world-class creep. Crispin Glover, not Sebastian Sebastian Stan. Stan. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't know him personally. (laughs) Alexandra Daddario, whose eyes um, I'm enthralled by, but make me uncomfortable. Yeah, so that's cool. I could definitely see elements of that in this. Um, Who directed? A man named James J.D. Taylor, who, as far as I can tell, uh, has only worked on Teen Wolf. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um... Yeah, I don't have anything. I didn't have any thoughts on the directing, so it's not like it was egregious or good. It was just sort of standard. I, I will say a lot of it was very dark, but I could see. That's You know what I'd say? I really hated the direction they gave Holland Roden in the writing scene. No, she just looked like she was having a seizure. Yeah, and was, I was like, okay. It was bad. But, well, hey, we'll get there. Uh, but first, we have to do the 60-second recap. Because you so generously volunteered to go first last time. This is my design. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you still have to go first next time. I know, but you know, I gave myself a little little day off okay. from going first. Yeah, you always get the day off. <laughs> Never mind. This is that. This is not an argument I'm trying to have. All right. Well, you have a minute to summarize this episode. Neat. Um, I'm sending you all of the very best vibes. Okay. And uh, I'm going to give you a minute starting right now. Okay, so the Ghost Riders are riding across the lacrosse field, but Scott and Liam can't see them. Um, and while they're practicing lacrosse, Scott's like, you need to practice your back shot. And Liam's like, no, I don't. And he's like, oh, I guess I must have been thinking of something else. Mason and Corey are doing an extra credit lab, and they're like iron putty turns out really magnetic and then coach kicks them out and then while Corey goes back up to find his phone uh no mason goes up to find his phone Corey sees the ghost riders and then he turns invisible and those he can see them invisibly and then him and mason go to the library and they see the ghost riders abduct somebody but then they immediately forget and then they try to tell scott and uh, liam what they saw but they can't remember liam uh, malia is sleeping with some guy but it like feels off and then lydia dreams about a train and styles but no it's not a dream she was awake in her room uh lydia banshees out by styles's locker the next day at school the coach is holding captain tryouts liam is not doing well Corey and mason regroup in the library to try to figure out and they figure out that somebody was taken scott and liam h2h over like what it takes to be a leader in the locker room uh malia wolfs out while she and lydia are in class and lydia's like dude what the f and then scott um no yeah scott also notices uh styles's locker and oh i have like time. halfway through i don't know maybe my vibes just weren't enough or maybe not uh, here's the thing no one was expecting <laughs> greatness, so. <laughs> you. Like, I have set the bar so low. Uh, 
You were so about to say yes. Ouch. You know what? I'm starting your timer right now. One, two, three, go. Okay, so the wild hunt passes by on the lacrosse field, but Scott and Liam don't notice because they're practicing. Mason is a physics nerd. He's trying to help Corey get his grades up, and Coach ends up kicking them out because he's like, it's 9 o'clock. Um, the wild hunt shows up at the school, and Corey can see them when he's invisible. They grab a kid from the library, but they can't like remember it. Liam senses that somebody is something is wrong, um, and they go in, and there's like, oh, well, the talk was here, but we don't know what happened. Malia is sleeping with a new boy. Lydia has like a train dream slash hallucination. Scott ends up seeing like the picture of his friends without styles. And he's like, that's weird. Lacrosse captain tryouts. Um, and like, because Scott quit for school reasons, Mason and Corey are trying to figure out what the wild hunt is doing. Liam and Scott have like a little pep talk about what it means to be a leader. And then um, everybody is like missing something that they don't know what it is. Uh, Malia highlights style. Uh, there's an empty desk, an empty locker. Lydia has another little train thing uh natalie blows off Corey and mason because beacon hills is supposed to be a, a safe space or whatever so she's not gonna help them look for a missing kid lydia like relives the night that styles disappears and she almost walks into traffic paris is back to normal investigating the uh murder from last episode scott tries to break, break into the locker that's oh, been calling his that name would be it my friend Oof. you did way better than i did so i'm gonna give you the honor of finishing the episode oh my god thank you so much oh my god this you're so welcome so unexpected uh okay so um scott like there have been a bunch of shots of the locker thus far styles locker and scott decides he's gonna go break into it but the nazi teacher's like hey you look like you're breaking into that locker don't do that um liam is like i don't trust Corey uh, or like him at all and mason's like mm, but that's important to me scott goes to deaton uh to try and remember what's going on and deaton is like i think you should go to sleep so Scott goes to bed, wakes up in the middle of the woods. Um, Malia is kind of having her own little moment where she can't figure out like where the chains came from. So she chains herself up to try and remember. And she gets Lydia to try and help her out with that. Um, Scott is remembering what happens the night that he was bitten. And he thinks it's really weird that he was alone. So he must have been there uh, with somebody. Corey tries to make it up to Liam. Um, Scott, Malia, and Lydia realize that they're all like missing the same person. Lydia's like, I think I loved him. Claudia is back the sheriff's wife oh yeah styles mom um and then uh Corey and liam find a key card and they realize that jake sullivan is the one who went missing and when they swipe the key card all of the information comes back onto it and they remember that they had spanish class with him or physics with him um liam signs back up for team captain tryouts i guess and deaton um tries to help lydia do automatic writing and she writes out styles um but it's like she wrote out with the <laughs> mischief. word mischief yeah yes um yeah lots happened it I, it's funny because when i didn't feel like this episode was overly saturated when i was watching but trying to recap what happened was very um difficult uh mm -hmm. so that suggests to me that it was pretty well paced i think that that is an important factor in this um but definitely in our enjoyment yeah i never felt like i was being rushed through anything i was everything was given its proper time yeah, when we pa we paused for something, I don't remember what, but I realized it was halfway through the episode, and I was like, wow, I didn't get that sense at all, because mm -hmm. um, I was just having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Love. <laughs> I mean, like, time flies when you're having fun, right? That yeah. also applies to watching TV, so. Well, it's like, there were a bunch of disparate pieces that were going on. Like, I love that we went immediately back to the dead body that they found last episode. Like, they could have put it off for a little while, like... Uh, little things are kind of being dropped in in a way where I'm like, these breadcrumbs make actual sense to me as opposed to just random things that are supposed to make you feel smart for trying to figure them out. Yeah. 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 
like no, this isn't like an act of like misdirection or whatever or being like you know this is an important detail for later it's like you understand how things are stacking up already which is impressive and fun mm-hmm. um we're gonna talk about this episode through the theme of discovery so where you know in an it, it feels almost ironic because it's not like the big you know, it's Styles moment happens in this episode. It's more like compounding discoveries. Everybody's kind of getting onto something. It's everyone has something on the tip of their tongue and they've got a hunch. And it's, it's really, um, it's really compelling because all of this information stacks up as like this big piece of evidence that something is missing. Mm-hmm. And at the start, you know, they're like, yeah, everything's good. Everything's good except for, huh. And, you know, those ha moments amount to that great scene in, in the woods with Scott and Leah and Lydia. So where would mm-hmm. you like to start? Um, I kind of want to start with, I guess Scott makes sense uh, to kind of go first. He opens up the episode. He does. Um, that is actually something I really enjoyed about this is being dropped like right into a little lacrosse session you know how we always complain that people don't get to hang out? Yeah. we For the first time in forever, we saw two dudes just, like, hanging out. They were just chilling. And it is particularly effective, like, on the heels of the last episode to start with something so normal. I mean, there's, like, a, a cool Wild Hunt intro. Um, but the fact that, like, you know, they're all just playing lacrosse. Yeah. Well, it also, like, not only is obviously Scott, like... Um, points this out like in his in his his memory it, it this moment with scott and liam is a reflection of all of the times in the early seasons we scott saw just like scott and styles playing lacrosse mm-hmm. uh it's great yes. it's a little it's a little kind of disorienting because everybody's acting fine and normal and you the viewer are like nothing is fine where and normal. is he where is where he, is he? <laughs> bring um, him back but it, you know, there is something that's just like itching at the back of Scott's brain. And this is where it starts mm-hmm. because he, for some reason thinks that Liam lacrosse prodigy, tiny child has sweet baby angel. Yeah. Has Which a is, <laughs> coach pretty much calls him that. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Um, has a problem with his, whatever it's called. Backshot. Thank you. My mom yeah. would be so disappointed in me. Um, I forgot your mom was a lacrosse coach. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So disappointed I didn't want to do it. Um, yeah, and I, I really like... They're doing so much work in this particular episode to use um, the history of the show to like really demonstrate the bond that used to exist between these people. And I won't... I, like, won't, I will say that like it's not... Um, referential in the way where it's like hi you remember the good stuff about this show it's Mm -hmm. it's not overly saccharine or nostalgic it's placed us back in universe which is really refreshing after what we saw last season i agree um but yeah it's it's really interesting that the that the sort of discoveries that are made are on the heels of um like memories but also sort of like misidentifiers of things in their lives and so scott has a memory of playing lacrosse with a friend. And so he assumes that what he's sensing is that, and then it clearly is not correct. And that sort of sets him up for this whole episode to later go on and look at that locker and be like, there's something about this thing. And I've already been confused by something before, and it's already said to set me off in a weird direction. So this thing must also be a part of that thing. You know, mm-hmm. everything is like connected. And it's really interesting to see that, 
you know, what sort of looks like to could have looked like to Scott as sort of um, incidents that are just sort of happening. Like, oh, I'm just having like a bad brain day because, you know, when you're going through life and you're like, nothing makes sense. Yeah. He's so sure it's connected, you know? Which makes a lot of sense, and it suggests that, like, Scott has actually learned from his experiences, uh, where if something seems off, it probably is. Or even from styles, you know, mm-hmm. murder board styles, threes of pattern styles, like, that is something that could have rubbed off, and maybe that's overextending, um, you know, thought that the Teen Wolf writers were giving it, but you know, I don't know, weirdly me enough. Happy. In this particular instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it. I think that you're probably right, actually. Yeah, we'll g- we'll give you one Teen Wolf writers. Yes, yeah, I'll one. allow it. Yeah, um, yeah. I and and I love that so many of these things are so small. Yeah, um, they're really little details. Um, which is a nice contrast between like what's happening with Lydia, which is obviously a little bit more jarring because she does have all of these banshee powers. Um, but first Scott, it's like the locker. It's the fact that someone seems to be missing from this photo. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and he, he does go to Deaton to try and figure it out, which was such a breath of fresh air. And Deaton was like actually helpful. Yeah. Even if he did just tell Scott to go to bed. Basically, Cedric Diggory just told <laughs> Harry Potter to take a bath. That's true. Yeah, um, it's really refreshing to see Deaton be actually helpful. Um, really refreshing to see Scott like lean on somebody else to try and help him solve his problems, which is what we used to see from him. And then you know, kind of fell off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him um, make all of these discoveries and wanting to. Yeah. They weren't accidental. He was fighting for them. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's a little bit of a juxtaposition we saw um, last episode where he was like, no, Styles, we're doing school. <laughs> yeah. Which, and he still clearly wants to, like, do school because he quit being the lacrosse team captain. But Is he still on the team? I don't know. Oh, whatever. I don't think so. He kind of, he, like, I get assistant coach vibes yeah. from that whole scene. Where he's standing there in that like nice little tight Nike shirt. Well, he's like the assistant coach at the beginning of six B. Is he? Yeah. Oh, good for him. He's yeah. <laughs> really? Anyway, <laughs> that one's a weird one not to not remember. Dude, my my brain Swiss cheese. It is <laughs> um, no idea. Anywho, yeah, it's really interesting, and I think that. The most interesting thing is that the thread goes all the way back to the beginning, that Scott cannot figure out why on earth he would possibly be in the woods alone, mm-hmm. why the sheriff would know he was there, why he was even in a position to get bitten, how he would know there was a body, and he comes to the conclusion that the, he... I love that he says, I must have had a best friend. Oh, I think that is so unbelievably heartbreaking because he prefaces it with, I know this is going to sound weird, because one, it suggests in universe without style, Scott has never had any friend that close, which we could kind of guess, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know, because like Claudia's back, so like anything can happen without styles there, but like it's a little bit like they're soulmates. They they really are. They can't exist uh, without each other. Like that's not how the Beacon Hills ecosystem works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I like that, and it makes me like kind of profoundly sad. That yeah. Scott's like, I know this is hard to believe, but I do think. Well, it also made me sad that it was like, 
it, it's not that I had a friend. It's not that, you know, I think I used to know somebody or something like that. It's I had a best friend. It is so assured. And like when you look at your best friend, you're like, that's my best friend. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. feel it in your guts. That's my best friend. He's feeling it in his guts that this was that's who this person was to him. Yeah. And of course, Lydia follows up with and I think I loved him, which just breaks it's my like, heart into a million pieces. Oh, um, should we talk about Lydia a little bit? Yeah, let's talk. She's having a tough day. How many times can I possibly say that in the course of this I podcast? I don't know. I will say Lydia's, th- this is the first time we've re-interacted with Lydia's powers in a way that I found really compelling in a while. Oh. Probably since 3A, honestly. It is so interesting the way that her, uh, the train hallucination initially when it goes past her bedroom, um, and then the fact that that noise manifests itself in a, like a human person mm-hmm. who is sitting in that empty desk. I The visual of it is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, I mean, Lydia's, kind of Lydia's whole thing is discovery. Mm-hmm. Like, she is the one who makes these discoveries through her powers, um, and this, like we talked about in the last episode, this is kind of the most confident we've seen her in being able to, um, you know, actually like chase things down and make those discoveries on purpose. Like Scott is like trying to discover things on purpose. Yeah. It's interesting to me though, because she is obviously still discovering them not on purpose as well. Like she's mm-hmm. still afflicted by her powers. Um, and I think that, you know, that scene where Natalie comes in and is like, it's just a bad dream. And she walks out and Lydia's like, but I was awake Mm -hmm. is something that suggests to me that she still feels, um, overwhelmed by her powers. And like, it's not still, it's still not an on and off switch situation, but it also suggests to me that like her grief over Styles' loss is exponential. Mm -hmm. She feels this so strongly and it's like, she obviously can sense when, you know, things are wrong, but like, this is something that is so, um, upending her psyche and her like sort of being that it is overtaking her time in class. Um, that it launches her into like this memory of the night where styles was taken so much so that she almost gets hit by a car. Yeah. I think that, um, Lydia is like especially primed to be the person who is affected by it most just because she is a banshee but like especially because death is a natural part of the world and like living and being a human being and it seems that what these ghost riders are doing is they're not killing people they're disappearing them Mm -hmm. that is like completely out of whack with the way that the world is actually supposed to work and of course like as a harbinger of death Lydia would be the one to actually notice that mm-hmm. because it would make the entire world feel off yeah yeah uh which, and I think that they're actually engaging with that idea yeah instead of just drilling a hole in her head which is like great yes yeah, yeah. that scene where she's sucked into that memory is really compelling I also mm-hmm. think like Teen Wolf plays with like hallucination and memory and dreaming a lot but I think that that's one of the rare like daylight hallucinate full daylight hallucinations that wasn't like the night terrors that tracy was having Mm -hmm. um that wasn't like a dream fake out yeah 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 it was really you know and like you said like not she's getting a sense of like the world being turned upside down but it's also like a grief like a a sort of silent grief like people don't understand that that's what they're feeling Mm -hmm. and that's really interesting to me that that's what she's tapping into and like i said both these these discoveries are both purposeful and Um, I don't want to say coincidental, but like thrust upon her. Mm -hmm. And that's what sort of makes her arc in this episode so interesting. It also is great when like we have to rely on Lydia. Yeah. 
because she's so often like denied being the hero for no other reason than like they didn't think to put her in an episode or like didn't have time to shoehorn her in or like there had to be a 20 minute fight scene we didn't care about yeah I actually am thinking right now, <laughs> the lack of fight scenes in the last two episodes has been delicious. Mwah. Just so good. Yeah. I like a good Teen Wolf puncher up every once in a while. I do too. But they were unending in season five. Yeah. Just constantly every single episode. And, you know, you mentioned this to me and I, I also felt it myself is that there's like a real sense of anxiety and dread um, and and anxiety uh in this episode because like you want them you the audience member want them to be making this discovery and they always seem so close yeah everything feels just out of reach you Mm -hmm. know and we're sitting here like watching the aquarium being like i'm watching (laughs) i'm watching i'm watching somebody do something um and yeah i think that that it you're I, th- I think that's actually part of the reason why it was so compelling to watch Lydia. Like, whereas everybody is reaching for these discoveries, the fact that she's coming across them, you know, organically through her power is like sort of um, slightly cathartic when you're sitting there being like, Malia, figure it out. Like, Lydia mm-hmm. is clearly going to be the one to be like, I got this, you know? Yeah. Um, and then obviously her um, fugue state writing leads them to the name Styles. And then gives us the classic, what the hell is a Styles? Which, like, that was actually a callback where I was like, I, I kind of remember thinking that line was funny. I remember people thinking it was really, really funny. But we are now so far away from season one that, like, yeah. I feel like casual viewers would be like, what is, okay. what is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we said this. The direction given to Holland Roden in that scene was stupid. Weird. It, what I what I liked about that concept is that Styles tries to get her to do automatic writing. Yeah, that was a good callback. A good callback. Um, and then she clearly like I don't know. This has nothing to do with the direction Holland Roden clearly is just left handed. But like I like that she's you know hunched over with her left hand and she's like really focused on it. But she looks like she's gonna fall out of her chair. Yeah, she's it's, like convulsing. Yeah, I would have actually been way more interested if she like was in a sort of fugue state where she was staring off into space and just her hand was moving. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have directed that scene, everybody. Just um, in case you were just wondering. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved the callback to the automatic writing, and it also is really brilliant because it suggests to me that like. Lydia did actually have the ability to do that all the time. She just wasn't ready to manifest her powers in that way. Mm -hmm. And obviously Deaton sets her up for a little bit more success by giving her like an object to focus on and dimming the lights and stuff. But well, it's just another example of like why I feel kind of frustrated a lot of the time about the fact that they don't get to use Deaton as that kind of character. Like they Deaton is supposed to be like the Buffy equivalent of Giles Mm -hmm. um, who like, doesn't have all the answers but like has um the books that have all the answers and they tried to put that on both Deaton and Styles who doesn't know anything he's just kind of like figuring out as he goes along and then the only one with any answers is Peter <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's nice to see Deaton actually be able to like um do something for this pack which is you know nice um I feel kind of bad for Seth Gillum, who just, like, didn't get that opportunity and oh, for whatever I, I reason. I would have loved him to be mm-hmm. a bigger part of the show and, like, be more helpful and, like, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like he has the perfect answer for tapping into Lydia's abilities, but he clearly has, like, more to work with. 
And also, like, a little bit more, um, like, worldly intelligence. Because mm-hmm. he's <laughs> not a teenager. he's not a teenager. Yeah. And I love that. And, like, you know, we've always loved the adults in this show. Mm-hmm. Where is J.R. Bourne? Where is he? He's in the title credits. Where is he? Come on. Um, also, where's Melissa Ponzio? Yeah. I don't know. They're off smooching somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> Season six, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I can't remember anything else, but I do remember that. Um, well, you remember Scott and Malia. Duh. What a great Hail Mary. <laughs> Ugh. Um, shall we? Let's talk about Deaton a little bit then. Let's move into that. Okay, yeah. Um, you're right. Deaton is, um, Deaton is helpful again. And I think that what's really sort of impressive is that Deaton, you know, there's is a thing about Melissa and um, the sheriff, and even sometimes Argent, at times where they don't take the concerns of the pack very seriously. Mm. And I think Deaton kind of takes any nudge to be like, "This is an opportunity to figure something out," and yeah. I appreciate that. He doesn't always go about it the right way, and again, the writers don't utilize him to his greatest ability. But he takes Scott totally at face value when Scott's like, "Something's up with my brain. Yeah, what is happening?" And he does the research on the wild hunt, and he's like, "I can't." make you discover this i can't discover it for you but i'm gonna give you the tools to do it yeah he's also the person who points out um i don't know if this is like just a genuine discovery on his part but he is the one to kind of connect the dots between what we think we know about the wild hunt based on stories um and what actually turns out to be true about them Mm -hmm. which like the more knowledge you have about the enemy the better yeah and i think that's like been one of Deaton's um, main roles throughout the entire series as being that epicenter of knowledge to defeat the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't really get to make a lot of discoveries on his own, but he is always there to facilitate the pack making the discoveries for themselves. Like there's no way that they would have found the, the nematode, the nematode, the nematode, <laughs> the nematon uh, without him and his knowledge. Yeah. Uh, Even just, so. like, weird wolf banes, strands, and shit. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Do you want to talk about Malia? Yeah, who's having, like, a really interesting regression yeah. in this episode. And, like, I, it's a little annoying that we didn't get to see more of her growth through season five because this is more building off of the work she was doing in season four. Yeah. Without Styles, she really is still like a feral child because he put in so much work to help her with her powers, um, which is great because, you know, I don't think Malia would have done well in werewolf school with Scott. No. Like, Styles is approaching Malia so much more at her level, you know? And... Like, Scott would try to give her some sort of, like, empowerment speech, and she'd be like, can you just put the chains on me, please? (laughs) And it's really, really interesting to see that regression and see how quickly her friends are concerned about it. I thought that Malia and Lydia had a lot of good moments in this episode, Um, and just how fast any of the work she's done will fall apart the second Styles isn't there, because Styles is the one who put the work in to get her in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also interesting to me... That she has the most, like, um, I mean, I guess Lydia, you can say this about her powers, but, like, she has the most, like, physical awareness of the loss because of that. Yeah, well, and and I think, like, part of the reason that she's able to understand that something is missing is that she knows that um, 
growling at people in class and digging holes into the, you know, desk is not good. Yeah. Um, it's not as though she's sitting there being like, Oh, I'm just having a moment. It'll pass. It's fine. She's like, no, something's like clearly wrong. Um, and she uses that to like figure out what, what did I do Mm -hmm. before I seemingly had all of this control to, uh, you know, get, get myself together. Yeah. And she's like sleeping with that guy at the beginning of her time in this episode. And it's funny because like, he's clearly just some (laughs) Chad, just some dude that she's using as a warm body because Malia is great. And Mm -hmm. he's like sex positive, sex positive lives by animal rules. We love her. Um, and she is sort of like, something's off. Like she can tell something is not how she wants it to be in this bedroom situation. And the fact that she goes to big spoon him and he's clearly like deeply uncomfortable with it as opposed to. Yeah. Uh, Teen Wolf is just like, yeah, Styles is a sub and we're like, cool. <laughs> he is little spoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I thought that scene was really interesting because it like sort of um, reflects that like Malia is, knows that she used to get physical comfort somewhere that felt right. And it almost implies that she would just be like sleeping with anybody to try to get it at mm-hmm. this point, get like what she had to get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought that, that was sort of an intelligent thing. Again, like she's so much more physically, like kinesthetically aware of this absence. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, what are the chains for? And she's like, Oh yeah, the chains. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, don't, don't worry about it. Which is so funny. I love Malia. She is hilarious the fact that he doesn't get up and leave right then yeah is like, he's like he's, all right he announces he's sleeping over which is weird for high school her dad clearly doesn't give a shit yeah which is crazy because if i were her dad i would care so much yeah like yeah i don't know really weird very weird um yeah i i i liked malia in this episode i like i like the way that she is experiencing styles's absence like not for her but as a concept <laughs> um and again i liked i i i like the little bits that she gets to have with lydia i like being reminded that the girls are friends i miss kira where is kira I, in this i oh. miss kira a lot but you know it's interesting because they didn't really spend any time building any kind of relationship between styles and kira so i think she would feel a little bit out of place in this particular plot line that's that's a really interesting point it's also really weird for styles to not have any relationship with kira because that's your best friend's girlfriend yeah no i think it's very strange and i don't endorse it but i do think that it would be weird to find any sort of like emotional connection coming from kira to miss styles yeah that's true um again the reduced cast has really been something that's been super effective in this well and i think it's important that like and we're going to talk about the the children now yes i guess let's talk about the, the baby pack um i think it's important that liam's main focus in this episode is not about styles N- no uh, it, it's not it, his best friend yeah and it's very much like a little bit of a competition thing which like sometimes your friends get a boyfriend and you're like okay, who the hell am I going to hang out with now? (laughs) That guy sucks. Hang out with me. But it's not like that. Like, it's really not a a petty jealousy. Liam, as his, you know, as he's taking on this sort of Scott Scott McCall 2 role, is like, I take care of my friends. What has this guy done for my friends? And his first thing that he says to Corey is like, you brought Mason into this, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I think the biggest discovery uh, Mason, not Mason, uh, Liam makes in this episode is patience. (laughs) Scott has to sit down with him and be like, do you think that my job is easy? You have to choose to work hard to Mm -hmm. be good at at dealing with people. Um, And then, you know, Liam obviously has that H2H with Mason, like being like, yeah, I don't like that dude. He is shitty at his job at being a supernatural creature. And Corey is in the room, which is like, I don't like Corey. I don't like him either. I think Corey and Mason have good chemistry. I like that Mason has a partner. Like, I, but they don't really, they, they don't work very hard at making him redeemable. No, no. Except for the fact that Mason likes him. Yeah. Which is like, okay. It's kind of, okay. <laughs> well, I feel Liam like they likes could have, they, could, they could have set it up to be like, oh yeah, these, these couples are a friend group. But they like. But they didn't do enough didn't. to make me like Hayden, and they didn't do enough to make me like Corey. Um, yeah, and I think that like, you know, Corey and Liam both have to put aside a lot of um, pride mm-hmm. to discover that they did see somebody get taken, and they find that the library card of Jake. I think his name is Jake Sullivan. Mason explains a theory of superposition to us, telling us that it said because the library card is observed, it now exists on our plane of existence. It is Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, it is. is what they it say. Was. And I think this is really interesting because I think, um, obviously, there's the, the obvious, like, they discovered that this is what happened and they were able to remember it. But I think that, like we see a really big discovery in Corey's powers. And by seeing that Mason actually has to like, I mean, Liam actually has to like listen to him and discover that he is useful and can be a part of a pack. And it's also not his utility that makes him somebody Liam should care about. Again, his biggest discovery is like patience is going to get him through this. And then he decides to be team captain and is like, well, I held hands with some guy. (laughs) I couldn't tell of that joke. Like that joke was funny. (laughs) Is it homophobic? I don't know. I don't think so because I think that, I mean, like, obviously Teen Wolf is very positive towards at least cis male white. White. For the most part. Well, not Mason, but um, actually, no. Gay relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because Danny and and Mason. But um, yeah. I think Liam is on a journey of, let's say, self-discovery. Oh, that was actually the um, concise and proper way of saying <laughs> what I was just ranting about for five minutes. Um, well, because he one a really wonderful moment at the beginning of this episode is when um, Liam like Tella understands that something is wrong and something's going down in the library with Mason, and he like that was great. They're like also soulmates yeah you know that's the mind melt yeah situation um and this is kind of continuing on from the discussion that they had in the last episode where liam is like but i can be the alpha of beacon hills and mason's like mm, i can you though yeah <laughs> because part of being an alpha is like making nice with mm-hmm. people you don't want to make nice with um and liam is tr- trying to come to terms with the fact that like scott is going to be leaving and uh really the only person that liam has is mason and mason likes Corey. yeah um well liam also has aiden she just wasn't in this episode that's fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) i they really did what's that actress's name 
can't couldn't tell you yeah couldn't tell you they no did idea. her so dirty they really did um i don't i didn't miss her at all unfortunately yeah. Yeah. um yeah but liam liam has been on a journey of self-discovery that's been like a really consistent theme he's leveling his character up. um which is amazing he's yeah. got a great new haircut he was wearing a really good shirt uh you know he's he's doing really well yeah um and he i think is like in the process of discovering how to be a better person and a better friend and part of that is um holding hands with the guy who did not try to help save mason literally at all yeah yeah i do think there is something about being like just like making yourself be in the same physical space as somebody you don't want to be like either can just set you off and make you angry but like Liam has to be there and he learns a little bit about Corey and I think literally and literally sees how Corey sees the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that is um, a effective. Huge, yeah. And again, a huge discovery. Shall we move? Shall we move into Q's nose? Let's do it. Do you have any questions? I do not actually have any questions. I don't have any questions. No. Nope. None whatsoever. Would you like to share some observations? Sure. Um, This is the infamous Go Gaze episode, which Uh, I think about constantly. (laughs) Um, It's really, really funny. I feel like we've talked about um, most of these. One of the things that Malia does in, like, her little regression is she builds herself, like, a little coyote den nest in the corner of her bedroom, which I actually wouldn't be surprised if she was like doing that in normal real life, but that's clearly like abnormal for her. And I liked that detail. Um, I also liked the callback kind of to the library key card being the thing that ties styles to Donovan's death and then is able, like is what enables um, Jake to be remembered. I like the little tie in. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, Someone's going to solve my murder with my M card. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I could not even tell you where mine is. Um, I used to use it for student discounts because it didn't expire for a couple of years after we graduated. Yeah. Yeah. And now no one would boom. Oh, are you about to tell me I look old? <laughs> no, I'm just saying you don't look like a freshman in college. No, I got to be a grad no, student. No, no, no. What, they tr- the trick was to get a new M card <laughs> as a senior. <laughs> ah, so you purposefully lost it. See, yeah. I just didn't want to pay the 25 bucks to get a new one yeah but i saved that 25 bucks in museum entry fair enough uh okay wait that is an excellent pro tip if you are graduating <laughs> college renew your student id so that you can get those student discounts for a couple years out yeah swallow cool. the 25 bucks swallow the 25 bucks it. yeah um we didn't really need to talk about this because it wasn't fitting to our theme but claudia is back and i'm i've been trying to remember if i if this ever makes sense within the context of the wild hunt, like why she would come back. But I have also decided that even if it never makes sense, I don't care. It is an excellent plot device. I think it's so good. I don't know if they explain that like somehow the frontotemporal dementia was triggered by like having a kid. Maybe that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, There might be a medical reason that they make up for that. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. I also was really interesting because there is always been this undercurrent where Styles has blamed himself for his mother's death. Yeah, absolutely. So that makes it so much. I loved, I loved getting to see the sheriff interact with his wife as a married man. Yeah, Yeah, totally. It was really, and it is so, so bittersweet, obviously, because I mean that whole, that whole plot line is just heart wrenching. Awful. About having pick basically. And, it's really interesting because it is not explicit at all. And I don't know how much of it was written to the script and how much of it was just Lyndon Ashby, like being good at his job. Um, but you can tell there is just like something right underneath the surface of 
their interactions where the sheriff might be thinking to himself, I don't know that this is right. Yeah. Um, it's been so long, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that that's really, really good. Um, there was uh, something else. There was another thought that I had, but uh, who knows? What are some of your observations? Um, go gays. Go gays. <laughs> Theme of the Teen Wolf, Ray Wolf. Go gays. Go gays. Um, I loved the Claudia stuff. Um, I thought we had also other really good coach moments, like when he tells Liam he's going to squish his little baby <laughs> face. <laughs> yes. 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 I he feel like a- that there's something about that feels like it was an in-joke on set and got written in. Maybe. He is tiny. Or, yeah, he improv it or something. Oh, my favorite was uh, when Scott is in the woods, we get the musical cue from the first episode of Scott being in the woods with LaBelle's. Oh, it's really good. It kind of reminds me of a train, weirdly enough. And I don't know if that's intentional, but like it sounds really good in conjunction with all of the other musical cues in this episode. Uh huh. I really and liked it. I, you know, I feel like being referential to your pilot is a job for like the finale. And the fact that it's coming in now feels really appropriate. It was really interesting. It was funny because I heard the music and I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, because it's from this show. Which was a fun moment. It feels so thoughtful and not to keep beating um, the deadest of horses, but it feels so thoughtful in a way that like season five and the end of season four wasn't at all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously, here's what I think about season four. Season four was not in position to be nostalgic yet. No, uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, But like, it's these really thoughtful little little touches. Little nuggets. Yeah. I I already said this. I loved. I think I loved him. Um, I think. Oh, what a moment! Yeah, especially because you know when they're finally reunited, it's like very emotional, and she's it's that whole like I didn't say it back thing, um, because that's Lydia like admitting to herself. Yes, which she might not have done ever before. No, that she loves. Styles. And the last time we saw Lydia say "I love you" to anybody was Jackson, mm-hmm. and that was seasons and seasons ago. And Lydia has been a free agent, which I've loved. <laughs> Again, sex positivity on Teen Wolf—it's great. Sleep with whoever you want, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the twenty-four-year-old. I don't know. Just, just, uh, th- yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. reel it in. <laughs> reel it in. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I loved him. And I think that, like you said, like, has she ever been able to say that out loud to herself? Has she ever let herself really think that, you know? Um, and that is, is maybe even a discovery in itself. As she says, that is that the first time she's put two and two together about, about styles. Um, not that I feel like it's a two and two thing, but like understanding that that's what she's feeling for him. Um, I love that. I, hmm. Hmm, I think I'm out of observations. I also said Claudia. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, it is such a good plot device. It's so good. Oh, you know what I liked? I liked Mm. the idea. I liked the um, actual, like, imagery of them with their whips hanging Jake from the library. Yeah, and the fact that he vanishes. Like, I don't know. It's it's very cool. It's really consistent imagery Mm -hmm. from them. Well, it feels very old West, both in like mm-hmm. the hanging sense and the fact that they've got these big cattle whips. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really loved, um, I really loved the opening where they're all riding onto the lacrosse field. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause like you can't do stuff like that without being like, Oh, it's like polo. It's like, you know, whatever, but it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. they look like cowboys. They ride like cowboys. I love the black horses. I love horses. It's so evocative. They're so cute. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Do you have an alpha? Wait, do you, can you, do you want to give us our fact stats? Yeah. Um, so we had two eyes. They uh, do this really cute little thing at the beginning where they're like, oh, it doesn't matter if the lights are off because we can play in the dark. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's adorable. And then uh, we've got one claws because Malia is about to rip her desk apart. And four shirts because I would ass- I'm would. i assuming that both Malia and Ross Butler are completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then... Lots of Nike gear. There was a lot of Nike. In this episode. A lot of Nike and a lot of Nike. And Pack um, stats. <laughs> pack stats. Uh, and then Lydia's still driving her little Toyota Prius. Cute. Little blue one. Because this Jeep is blue and her Prius is blue and they're in love. And their cars are going to have blue babies. Amazing. Um, who's your alpha of the week? Uh, Lydia. Yeah, Lydia. Duh. Actually, Duh. you know what? It might be Deaton. No. Lydia did the work. But he gave everybody the tools. Okay. So a tie. Maybe. Between the two of them. Coach? <laughs> I feel like anytime he's in an episode, I'm inclined to give it to him. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Lydia. You give it to Deaton. And the, and the, the runner-up is Coach. Yeah, he got the uh, the bronze. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that about wraps it up. Well, if you like this episode, I hope you guys follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Instagram at Teen Wolf Rewolf. And our Tumblr is also Teen Wolf Rewolf. Is it? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, no, I just realized the Instagram <laughs> handle is Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. Mm. Um, our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. Join it. Share the memes. Uh, if you really like this episode, you guys can leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave us five stars in a review, we read it out loud and do some commentary. If you really, really like this episode, you guys can buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf, or buy one of our stickers at redbubble.com uh, forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, hope you guys do all of that stuff. Hope you tell us about it. And other than that, I've been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Ow-woo!